You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal. And this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners. And I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. My name is Andrew Gerza, and you are listening to the podcast Shining a Bright Light on Disability, Sexuality, and Everything in Between. 
Get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get this show started, everybody. First things first, I gotta give a shout out to the people who helped the show go and helped to shine a bright light on the show by being a Patreon peep. And I don't know, I don't know what I'm gonna call the Patreon people here, but but the Patreon peeps that support this show are great. Thank you so much for helping the show go every week and helping to support things like audio transcriptions and things like the server fees and all these things that are required to make a podcast now. But I appreciate you really making this show what it is, and thank you so much. And I want to give a shout-out to a new patron, Randall O., who pledged $5 a month to help keep the sh- the the light shining on a show like this. So, Randall O., you are oh boy awesome for that. I never told you the puns would be good, but there it is. Randall O., you are oh so awesome for pledging $5 a month to help keep this show going. Thank you so much. And you tweeted me afterwards and said you were really thankful to do that, so I really, really appreciate that. If you want to support the show on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and you can pledge as little as $1 a month to get the show one day early, so you get it in a super fancy private Patreon feed one day early, and you get a weird, awkward, sexy shout-out for me on the air at some point. Or you can pledge $5 a month and help me build a show at any with any topic you want. So you tell me the topic you want me to look at. As long as it has to do with disability, we can turn it into a show. Or you can pledge at any nomination any denomination in between there and whatever works for you and I will say thank you so much for pledging and it means a lot but if you can't pledge that's fine too please go wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review for the show tell your friends post about it on socials it means a lot to me tweet me at Mr. Andrew Gerza on all the social medias let me know what the show means for you and I would love to just hear what the show means for you but whatever you can do to support the show it means a lot But now let's get to today's show. It's a really sexy one. So let's get to it. One of the things that I absolutely absolutely love doing on this show that I started probably about 50 episodes ago, so literally about a year ago, I reached out to queer men, queer able-bodied non-disabled men, and said I want to talk to you about about ableism in the LGBTQ community, particularly around gay men, and I wanted to talk to you about the idea about what would happen to you if you became disabled tomorrow. And I've had people on the show talking about that for a while now. People like the guys from the Gayish podcast, people like Dan Savage, people like uh, Jay Austin, who's an awesome porn star friend of mine. And today, I have another porn star friend of mine who's willing to sit in the hot, the hot, sexy seat and talk about disability and ableism in the queer community and how they think their life would change if they became disabled tomorrow. Um, And I got to talk to my friend, porn performer Jack Fader, who is one of the most attractive people that I have ever seen in my whole life. He's really, really cute. And we got to sit down for an hour and just talk about how his life would change if he were to become disabled, particularly if he were to become a wheelchair user tomorrow. And we talk about how he might have to change 
where he lives, and we talk about how his professions would change, and we talk about how his sex might change, and how his experience of being a bottom or a top might be different. Um, we also flirt with the idea of he and I doing a scene together, because we've been chatty friends on Twitter for a little bit, so we talk about that as well. There's a whole lot going on in this episode, but what I really love talking to gay men about is getting them to really confront ableism and getting them to think about things differently, and I always try to do it in a way that is not confrontational. I don't want to make anybody feel like they are doing something wrong by not understanding disability. I want to give them the chance to learn about it with me, and sitting with Jack in this episode was really powerful because you could see him go, oh, I've never really considered that. You could see him figure it out and try to, like, understand how things might be different if he were to be disabled and really consider how disability could impact him and he, he was really honest about what he how he might not know how he would feel about it so i think that uh this was a really awesome episode to explore that again the question what would happen if you became disabled tomorrow i loved doing it with jack fader he was such a fun flirty interview we had a really good time and i'm excited for you to hear it um i also want to put a call out that I would love to do the what would happen if you became disabled tomorrow question to non-binary people who are able-bodied and and women and female-identified people who are able-bodied. And so I'd love to extend that out past queer and gay men because I've, I've only had queer and gay men in this series so far. But I would like to extend it to, to other people and other populations as well. So if you're able-bodied and you want to explore the question of what would happen to my life if I became disabled tomorrow? I'd love to have you on the show to explore that. And you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and we can book you in for an episode. So if you want to do that, uh, let me know. And I know there are some of you that have reached out forever ago. Your email probably got buried. Please reach out again and I'd love to connect with you and, and have you on as an episode for that. But enough of my rambling. Let's get on to the show where I ask the sexiest fuck, Jack Fader, what would happen if he became disabled tomorrow? Right here on a brand new episode of Disability After Dark. Hey, Jack Fader. Hello. Hello. Hi. It's so nice to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? Good. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for agreeing to do it. I remember when I reached out to you, I was super nervous because I always get nervous when I like have to reach out to porn stars who I've watched jerk off and be like hey you want to talk about disability with me and so i always get like weird and awkward so be ready for a weird and awkward interview for the next hour yay perfect i'm weird and awkward myself so cool let's do it together <laughs> um perfect I, I wanted to invite you on another episode of what would happen if you became disabled tomorrow on the show because i think it's really important to address like prejudice and ableism within the queer community because we don't really talk about it enough and we don't really talk about the fact that there are really attractive disabled queer men who deserve sexuality and who deserve to be part of this community and so I just I wanted to invite you on to really talk about this because you work in porn and you work in a a medium that really forces queer men to 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 fit a certain mold for those 22 minutes and so like Mm -hmm. I just thought it'd be fun to explore with you what would happen if you became disabled tomorrow. Let's do it. All right. So, (laughs) 
um, yeah, so a question that I did not write down that I'm just going to throw out that I had in my head right now. When I posed the question to you, were you like, oh, that's awkward. Like, how, how do I talk about this like what did you feel when i when i reached out to you and was like hey let's do this um i didn't feel like it was awkward um i think maybe my first thought was um am i qualified to to be interviewed about this because i am a very able-bodied person and um i i've known some people with disabilities in my life but i don't have a ton of experience and um I haven't spent a lot of time around the community at large. Um, so I kind of felt like, sure, I'll do it, but I don't know. I don't really have, I felt like maybe I didn't have a lot of insight, but then the more that we talked about it, the more I realized the purpose of the interview is to get able-bodied people to think more about disabilities. Yeah. And I, and I, that's, and again, it's, I'm not inviting you on to like shame you to like learn about ableism right now. It's like, let's <laughs> have a, a nuanced chat about it. And like, you said before we hit record that you were a bit nervous and like about sounding like you didn't know what you were talking about, but don't feel that way because that's the whole point. You're not necessarily supposed to know what you're talking about, but you're supposed to like explore those feelings together in a way that hopefully at the end of the interview, like you'll feel differently about, well, not differently, but, but like you'll feel, you'll feel more about disability than maybe you did before. Yeah. That's my hope. Um, so... The first question that I pose to people when I do interviews like this is, how do you think your day-to-day life might change if you were to become a wheelchair user with a disability tomorrow? Um, <clears throat> my first thought with that question was, well, I live on the ground floor of my apartment complex, so that's convenient. <laughs> and then I walked outside and was like, oh, but there's three concrete steps to get from the entryway down to the ground level so like right there like I, where i live would be an issue for three steps you know like yeah. 12 inches of height is would i mean i wouldn't be able to live here anymore if i was yeah, in a wheelchair it, it would mean you would totally have to so, switch where you live totally it, so i would not be able to live in this apartment um i do hair for a living by day so uh that would be um I, it's possible but it would be basically relearning my entire skill set around that yeah um and i'm a tall person too so i would become you know i would go from being a tall you know hairstylist to a short hairstylist that would be a challenge you know to try to figure out all of that um and then i mean i think in just vast ways i can't even fathom there would be changes all around i mean i think too like you're saying with the hairstyling thing i think that you would have to reconsider that how you would move around in the space. Like you would have to reconsider how the whole space for you as the dress- hairdresser would be can would be like configured. You'd have to think about all these things differently. And so like mm-hmm. I'm trying to picture a wheelchair using hairstylist and I just, I can see how in my head, like it's, I don't even know how that would work because I've never right. seen it before. I, I haven't seen it, but I know, I know there are people out there who do it. Um, and one thing that's going back to my original statement of where I live being prohibitive, I'm proud to say that my salon has an elevator and a ramp. So um, it's very accessible. Um, just one of the first things I liked about it was that I saw that it was a space that could be accessed by many people. So what you're saying is when I come to <clears> you, <throat> I can get my hair cut if I wanted to? Absolutely. Amazing. Although I feel like you'd probably rather have the 
the Jack Fader jockstrap haircut special, which I mean, does not happen at the salon. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that was a special that I could order. <laughs> and yes, I would. Let me know how I can make that happen, and that's great. Um, <clears throat> you also mentioned to me when we were chatting that you're also you're in a band, and you... I'm in four bands. Oh, look at you. All right, all right. <laughs> Excuse me for getting that wrong. You're in four bands. Um... I then do you play an instrument? I do. I play. I've been playing the drums for twenty five years, and um, I play a little bit of synthesizer and bass guitar and very minimal regular guitar, and uh, I sing as well. Nice. So I can imagine. I'm just trying to picture like I have spastic cerebral palsy, which means that if I was to hold the drums, I'd probably at some point throw them across the room and hit somebody. So I can just I can just see how like. So many hilarious things as a as a musician. And I, I know there are disabled musicians in there. I'm not saying there aren't. I'm just saying for me, with my particular level of disability, it would be pretty funny to like, <laughs> I don't think I could do bass guitar. I don't think I could do... I maybe could do synth, maybe. Um, or you could just market yourself as an out-of-control rock star with a temper, and you never know when he's going to throw instruments across the stage. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> having plastic CP really does make for like a crazy rock star life. Maybe I should totally re-market myself that way. <laughs> I am down for that. Um, do you think of any other ways that a disability might play a role in that for you? I'm thinking also like just some of the venues I'm sure you've played are probably not super wheelchair-friendly, and they're probably not super accessible for just for me trying to trying to get into a venue as a as a like patron they're really inaccessible mm-hmm. so i can imagine that a lot of the things a lot of the places you played are probably just not accessible i they're not and one thing that um part of the culture of portland is the city where i live is inclusivity and a lot of events that go around on facebook and stuff people really try to make a point to say this space is accessible or this space is not accessible they try to um, you know, and, you know, homophobia, harassment, blah, 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 won't be tolerated. But, um, uh, I know a guy here who's a huge music fan in the music scene and he goes to a lot of shows and he's in a wheelchair. He's also a drummer in a band, but I've never actually seen him play a show. And it's probably because most of the places to play involve stairs up to a stage or stairs to get down to the basement where the venue is. And, um, and I only see him at, you know, I don't see him at every venue. So, uh, I imagine it would be really prohibitive. My, you know, my bands wouldn't be able to play a lot of venues. It would have to be accessible to a wheelchair user to get onto the stage or the venue would have to be okay with, you know, the band setting up not on the stage or something. I think it would be hugely impactful. Plus, you know, uh, being in a wheelchair, there's, you know, arm pieces, next to your arms, that's a space that drummers usually have open, you know, yeah. it just would, you'd have to learn how to play differently. And I mean, we I have don't even cool chairs now where those can like flip up and those can be like, of course, my it's chairs. 2020 it's, hey, <laughs> the chairs are still pieces of shit for the year we're in, but like we're getting yeah. there. It's good. I've heard, I've heard people say too, that, um, to have a really nice chair or device for disabil- uh, people with disabilities, it's, you have to have, all, you have to have money, you have to buy, them yeah, that the affordable ones are usually like, not yeah. comfortable or functional and a lot of us with come and you're right a lot of us with complex care needs need a lot of specialized stuff for me to get lights on my chair that i have right now just lights when i'm going out in the world in the in the dark um 
they cost four grand and they're not covered by anything. So I would have to sh- just for lights on the chair. Oh my god! I'd have to shell out four grand, and it's like, uh, no, no. <laughs> so like, it's they're pretty ridiculous. But yeah, and I'm also thinking like in terms of m- like music stuff for a wheelchair user to not only get in the venue, but then yeah, what if you can't get up the stage? And what if you like? I had another thing that I totally skipped my mind because I was your nice eyes. So so I was not focusing on what I'm supposed to do. But no, but I'll move on to the next question. I'll flirt with you later. Um, so how do you think that your life as a gay man would change if you were to become a wheelchair user tomorrow? Um, I always say the worst thing about gay men is gay men. Um, yep. And I, I, uh, I try to live a life that allows me to identify as the label of queer. And I try to stand apart from kind of the toxic culture that gay men can perpetuate. And I feel, Hey, (laughs) I feel like if I was in a wheelchair, I would become fairly invisible to a lot of gay men. I think a lot of people would just do that, you know, bathhouse cruise where they like look at you and look away, you know, and like never look back. And, uh, that's just me assuming hopefully that wouldn't happen. Hopefully I would be totally blown away. And, um, but, uh, I, I assume that it would, it would actually probably pre- present more challenges than opportunities or, you know, friendships or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you what kind of sex as a, as a queer man, now that I know you're queer, thank you for letting me know. Cause I didn't know what I wrote. So, oh, I mean, I also identify as a gay man, but, Okay. I try to be inclusive and stand with people of color and women and trans community and people with disabilities. I, I want to, I, I, my whole thing is kind of, if there's a, a queer event happening in town, I kind of don't want to go unless everyone's invited. If I get there and it's cool. just a, so that means like you, a sausage means... fest and it's like, that's fun. But like, you know, I do porn. I can go to a sausage fest party anytime. You I know, can and book how... a sausage fest party at my house. <laughs> I know about those so in general, my, in my content dumps. I know all about that shit. <laughs> in my personal life, I want to attend events that are more inclusive. So I tend to go to queer events that women and the trans community feel included in and safe in. And I only really want to meet and hang out with gay men who are also of similar mind. So, um, uh, and there's a good amount of them out there. So, so how do we become best friends? Is my next <laughs> I think we're starting right now. I mean, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> So what kind of sex do you like as an able-bodied gay slash queer man? What kind of sex do you enjoy having right now? And how do you think that would change? Um, I enjoy anal sex with other men. And um, I uh, I go back. I'm versatile, but I go through these like long phases of kind of switching back and forth of what is fueling the fire personally for me and lately i've been really um topping a lot more and i've gone through major bottoming phases in the past um and this is all my personal life for porn or escorting i'll do whatever you want me to um but uh i'm just gonna take some notes (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i've been um just feeling that that vibe lately just that's where sex is bringing me when I'm attracted to somebody or, um, and, uh, I, I, I have no idea how that would change. Um, 
I have no idea. I feel like having sex with um, a person with a disability, person with disability or disabled person. I hear both, it's which is correct. Sorry to sidetrack. It's no, a, that's what I thought. And I it like may be that, a personal preference. I like that you it is totally a personal preference. I think with every disabled person, the language is different. So don't feel like you have to pick one. For me personally, you can call me, well, you can call me whatever you want. But, but I mean, for me personally, it's like, it's like queer cripple it's like disabled for but with every disabled person it's different so like just like how we're asking trans people like hey what are your pronouns like how can i identify you we really should be doing the same thing with people because the language is so vastly changing all the time and like really right there's no way to know really what one person wants versus what one person what another person wants so if you just ask it should be all right and Perfect. If you, it means like the person. It I can tell that you give a fuck about like what I want. So that's great. Yeah. Um. So I am. I picture having sex with a person with a disability would be. I feel like you know, with all sex, there should be communication happening. But uh, I think that probably the communication becomes vastly more important. Um, it does. It really does. You really learn. You have to learn to be direct about what you want. When I what I have trouble doing when I'm teaching, say, a sex worker that I work with, or like a hookup, mostly a sex worker, but I'm teaching someone new how to interact with my body. I am learning to try to be sexy while still trying to give direction, and that's really hard. Like it's really hard to. How do you go from teaching them something important while also being like? But I'm still sensual, right? It's really, it's really tough. It is tough, but I think also, I think that um, people should be in general more okay with like, yeah, you're hooking up with somebody and you find them hot and you want to have that fantasy of like, yeah, you know, we're hooking up. This is super hot. But also if you're not ever allowing space for that person to be a human being with needs and wants, then you're an asshole and you're a shitty hookup. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Say it louder for the people <clears throat> in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's okay to be like, hey, hold on. I need to tell you something real quick, you know? And then if the other person is, you know, worth hooking up with, they're going to be able to jump right back into the sexiness with you and take those pauses, you know? But I know not everybody's like that. I mean, do you, th- and I'm going to just ask this question about something I wrote down, but did you, do you feel like as a porn star that, would love to see some of those pauses, those real life pauses about consent and about like discussion about communication in porn. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them um, partially because I, you know, work in porn. So it would be interesting to me and uh, you would get a little bit of an insight into, you know, a lot of what happens with porn is you see somebody who's attractive and you like them and you like their style and their look, but you don't always get to know their personality. Um, which is one reason I love Twitter. You can, depending on the person and how they choose to present themselves on social media, some of the people on there who are some of the biggest porn stars in the world are hilarious, you know, and tell jokes and like, you totally get a sense of who they are as a person. Uh, So you could kind of get that insight if you were able to see that stuff. But then, you know, there's people out there that that would totally not be sexy to them and it would kill the boner. And that's, that there is the big dilemma of porn. You know, you edit it to look a certain way. You edit it to take out all the parts that, you know, are awkward or not hot or, um, and then people only see this clip of like the best of the session. You know, it's like when you're watching a porn scene, you're watching the greatest hits of that 20 minute 
you know? Yeah, you're not seeing the two and a half hours that it took <clears> to figure everything out. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Seriously, studios, get with it. I want to see the two hour rough cut of like, I want to see the two hour rough cut. Um, because you know when I shot my first scene with with John Shield a few months ago, like we did a, we did a scene together, and it was a the whole scene was a was a us trying to figure out accessibility and like me getting mm-hmm. transferred out of my chair and all that stuff. And I think I just think seeing more of those little moments with with performers, whether they're disabled or not, I think it just would I personally get off on that because it gives me like an emotional boner versus like oh yeah I'm I'm mm-hmm. hard but I'm also like. I'm into this person emotionally because, hard. Yeah, which is you know, I think we need to see more of that, especially in gay male porn, because it's so, like, yeah, I can watch, I can watch you like fuck three dudes and that's hot, but like, I want to know what you're thinking when you're fucking me. I want to know what you're thinking when you fuck those three dudes, and mm-hmm. disability forces me to kind of have the stuff that I'm thinking, have to say it out loud with the person, and so like mm-hmm. I want to see that in porn. Yeah, I mean, it could also be, I kind of, you know, I can go both ways. I can get off on just a total, like, fuck fest scene that has no emotional attachment. But I can also watch, you know, in the early aughts, there was that rise of, like, cuddle porn, you know, like, a lot of uh, that underground stuff that was going on that was really sensual. And you saw, you know, men who, like, loved each other and cared about each other and had a deep connection. And sometimes the sex scenes, you wouldn't even really see that much of the you know, dick in the ass, you would see like, you know, an angle where you saw the people, but you didn't really get to see the, you know, the sex stuff. But sometimes that got me off more. And so I could see how, you know, if you're needing to pause to have somebody help you with something that could be part of the like, I'm trusting you as a like, you know, as the able bodied person in this situation to help me and to like make me feel safe. And then you can rail the fuck out of me. And isn't that hot? You know, like I, I think that would be hot. <laughs> I mean, did you just design <laughs> Assuming a- you're a bottom, but. <laughs> will, will you be, I can be a bottom. I actually have never bottom before. I don't know if I would be because I don't, I haven't met anybody that I can be like, hey, you want to help me do show yet? So <laughs> along with the Jack Fader uh, special that we that might be a discussion where we can have later. <laughs> okay. Um. So. So my next question, which leads right into what we were, gonna, what I was gonna say was like, so if you were to become <clears throat> disabled tomorrow, how do you think your work as a porn performer might change? Do you think like, do you think like, so in porn you're mostly you said a bottom, right? Yeah. So far, yeah. So like, I I can just see for being a disabled performer, I can see that being a lot more work for you because like right now I'm assuming you douche out and then you like, you just go to town, which, and from what I've seen in, in the porn that I've watched of you, thanks Twitter for bringing um, from the porn I've seen of you, like you just kind of just do it, which is hot, but it's also really inaccessible in that like being a disabled person, I would have to consider to bottom. I have to consider like, Okay, can I do show? Okay, will it hurt? Okay, like, how mm-hmm. do my how will my muscles respond to being railed for the next twenty minutes? Like, I think it would change the way. Well, you... if it was your first time, you would not be getting railed right away. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's a huge. I mean, this might be TMI, but uh, everybody has a personal preference of you know where they douche and how and. My method is I have a hose that connects to my shower and it's right next to my toilet so I can just sit 
down while I'm doing it. And if I had a wheelchair, that would not be possible anymore, you know, and like, that would change. Just imagine having to call your, a... your attending care worker and be like, hey, <laughs> do you, would you, could you come by for 20 minutes and just like, do you think you could, like, I got, I've talked to some dudes about bottoming and I just don't know, I have no fucking clue how I would have that pre-conversation with my care worker about like, hey, so, um... Listen, um, somebody's gonna fuck me in twenty minutes, and so I need you to do this. And then you should be gone before he knocks on the door. Um, yeah, no, that would be that's a very valid um, point and concern, and things like that. Uh, something like that never even occurred to me. You know, I dropped the. You know, I don't know if you're a bottom without even thinking like the logistics of you know things I like that. that so, <clears throat> uh oh, can you hear me? Nope. Um, nope. Can you hear me now? Nope. Um. Oh no! I'm gonna try again. Yeah. I'm gonna hang up, call you back. Okay. Hey there, friends. So, right when Jack and I were getting to the really sexy part of our conversation, and he was having, he was really saying cool things about disability, the audio fucked up again. So we had to kind of start again, and you'll hear us, like, you'll hear us on, in the second half be like, oh no, the audio fucked up, and that's why we're, we're starting again. But I thought it was cute that we did that, and so I also wanted to leave all that in, because this is why the show's only a award-nominated podcast, because I'm a shit editor, and so I don't want to edit things out, because it's hard for me to do that. So you get to hear the real, raw discussions that we could have, even when the audio fucks up. So that's what you'll, that's what you, that's what you just heard. And now we're gonna go on to the second half with Jack Fader right here on Disability After Dark. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had said, you know, I just had blurted out. I don't know if you're a bottom, but I didn't even, you know, think about what that would mean logistically if you were, or you know. Things like that. Uh, it's. <laughs> We're giggling. Sorry. The audio, the audio fucked up like five minutes ago, and so we've been trying to. <laughs> and now we're trying to jump in, and now I can't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> we're both trying to pretend like we're professionals, and we're not. I am not. So, I mean, even though you're on an award, this is why I'm an award-nominated podcast, not an award-winning podcast. <laughs> this is why, right here. This is why. Um, uh, I'm gonna re-pull up my questions because again, just start. professional, and I can keep all this in because why the fuck not? Um, because you like to see the the gritty ins and outs. I do like you ins just and outs. you just told. <laughs> I do I do like ins and outs. Um, Me too. Right? I mean, shit. Do, so, do you? How do you think that porn? So yeah, piggybacking on my <clears> question, in what in what other ways do you think that your work as a porn performer might be different than the way it is right now? Um, things like bottoming, preparation for bottoming, you know, that would completely change, and um, communicating with people, letting them know ahead of time, you know, what's going on with you and your body. Um, but it's I can't even imagine I I, um, I, uh, I feel also like if I was were to be 
become disabled tomorrow and I still wanted to do porn, I would have to probably market myself differently and market myself, you know, you would immediately become a niche and um, not accessible to the world at large. And, you know, um, I found it funny when I did mine, a lot of people were <clears> saying, you know, the porn you did is so educational and so important and all of that's true. But I was like, no, no, I also wanted to be a hot scene. Like, I'm glad that you're being educated, but I also wanted to just fuck some ass and have you watch me do it. Like, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad to be, I'm glad to be an educational figure. And I think it's really important what I do. And I'm proud of the porn that I put out there. Um, and I want to do more wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But, uh, but I, <laughs> but I also think like you can create this content as a disabled performer and have it be hot. And I think for you, it would, you'd have to contend with a lot of people telling you how educational and how important it was when you mm-hmm. might just want to do the scene because it's hot. Yeah. And probably have to contend with people on Twitter saying really horrible, shitty things. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, like... <laughs> when my, I mean, it was weird when my scene came out, I, people said really nice things, but they were almost too nice. They were almost like, wow, this is so amazing. And it made me stop and reconsider my whole life. And I was like, really? Cause it was just me and a dude getting offered like 20 minutes. I'm glad that you've like reconsidered your, your life from this, but also it was just porn. I honestly, I think a lot of people might not even ever think about people with disabilities having sex. I think that people are uncomfortable thinking about that kind of stuff. Look how uncomfortable people are just talking about, you know, as a gay man, if have you ever just dropped something you didn't even think was that extreme in conversation and you see straight people kind of recoil, you know, and just like, it, it, it's... I feel like people are so easily uncomfortable with anything that's not the norm with sexuality. So I feel like, um, you know, people don't even really consider it sometimes or even look at, you know, you're handsome as fuck, you know? I wonder how many people don't see that and just see your disability and don't see like a good looking guy. Like, well, maybe he's, you know, horny and like. (laughs) The answer is yes and yes. Um, but just because I didn't quite hear you over my own fangirling, you, what did you say about me one more time? I said somebody could look at you and not see, you know, such a handsome guy and and only see the person, only see the disability and not see, you know, an attractive guy, you know, sitting there. Um, so I, I, think I heard you. I just want, I needed you to say it again. I just you just it wanted in. me to say it again. <laughs> um, but I think, too, that... Um, uh, there's, you know, there's no representation really of people with disabilities and different bodies in gay porn. It's, it really is such a mold. I mean, it's like me and one other guy with Davey Wavy that have done stuff that really pushed the envelope. And like, that's all I, the, to be honest with you. And I'm not tooting my own horn. That's all I've ever seen is mm-hmm. the one that I did. And I even did the one that I did in my house. Like it wasn't a studio production. It was me the other performer like a guy with a handheld and that's it like it wasn't I want to go on a fucking porn set and be I just think the way porn would have to change for a wheelchair user just even in the in the setup like when we filmed mm-hmm. together and I've said this before when <clears> we filmed <throat> our scene and when you and I film our scene because I'm just going to put that out there in the, in the universe and hope that it transpires but when you know it, you'd have to change the way the angles are, the way the camera goes, like, are you going to show the wheelchair? Do you want, mm-hmm. like, all of that stuff would have to be reconsidered. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I also, I've, I've, I mean, I, to bring up your point, you know, you did that scene at your house, you created it yourself, you edited it yourself, you marketing it yourself. That's so many people are doing that now because studios are very only, you know, there's only really a certain body type that has access to studio work and um, they just not always so inclusive. And the only place I've ever seen anything close to that from a studio was Treasure Island Media had a man who was an amputee who was missing a leg that they did a scene with. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not going to talk shit about Treasure Island Media because they pay me, but um, it it could Gotta be... Pers- that bank. Well, and Treasure Island Media has, you know, some very niche videos, some of them things that I disagree with and don't think should be sexualized and fetishized. And so my first thought when I saw that was people are just going to think that's another, like fetish you know and not really see it as a person you know with a disability having sex and enjoying themselves and i know that's what they were going for but you know a lot of people were turned off by certain films that treasure island media made and saw them as kind of just looking to like always up the ante of being edgy and fetish and i think that maybe people missed the mark on having a man you know who was an amputee in a video i don't think it made as much it, it didn't feel revolutionary or, you know, maybe in the way that they had hoped. Um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, if, especially if you're going to do gay porn and you are a person with a disability, you're going to be doing it yourself. You're not going to find a studio yet that's willing to sign you. It's just not how it is. Well, David <clears throat> and Himmeros TV, not that I, not that I, they, but they paid me too, so... I'm gonna shout their name out. They're they've they're really good at starting at starting the conversation around this content. They're the ones who hired me, and they're the ones that asked me to do it. And they've hired other disabled porn performers in the past. So it is slowly starting to happen, but it's it's a slow game. And I just want I want to see more bodies yeah. represented in in this medium because I'm tired of seeing like the hot white boy get railed by the other hot white boy who's able to totally. like yeah. I get off to it, but it's so formulaic now that for me as a disabled totally. person, I'm like, there's so much more we could do with this. Like, totally. there's so much sensuality we could bring <clears throat> to this that we're not and that the studios aren't doing. And so I just think that, like, that there's an opportunity for uh, non-disabled gay men to really change the way they see things. And so, like, from this little part of the conversation, what in what ways do you think that the gay porn scene in your opinion, could do more to be inclusive? Like, what do you think they, like, and not, not to, like, shame, not to call them out, but, but, like, in what ways could they use their platform to be, to do better? Um, maybe, like, making more of a statement, but without, you know, making it so much that that's what it's all about, you know? But, um, I mean, just including more performers that are not white, fit, gay men, you know, will help um, change people's expectations of who, you know, sex performers can be and are. Um, And that's probably the first place that they would have to start is just being more inclusive. But being more inclusive means you have to be educated and you have to, you know, communicate. You have to be educated. You have to be 
willing to allow yourself to be educated and to realize that the porn you make with this with X performer might not make you a lot of money, and it might not. This is the trouble I think with this industry is that it they're going after what's edgy and what's hot and what will make the money. When you sign a disabled performer, the first few videos, given that people have ableist assumptions about what bodies can do and they have all these feelings about watching a disabled person fuck, um, you might not make money the first few videos you make, but but eventually people will see that as, as normalized and maybe it'll change. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. You'd have to have a studio that was willing to take that risk, which large studios typically don't want to take risks. They, you know, any large business wants to stick to the formula that's been working. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's something that's I think going to take a lot of work to change. And it's, but also <clears throat> there's this movement of people making their own porn now, which is great. Um, and I've noticed that even some of the biggest porn stars in the world still promote their own personal fan pages um, because there's a lot of money to be made in it, but it also is slowly starting to shape and change the face of porn. Studios are kind of having to stop and look back and be like, whoa, okay, this is actually, you know, at first a lot of big studios probably thought the OnlyFans, Just for Fans movement was just a flash in the pan, but now it's growing and it's huge. It's becoming and the way people access content now. And I know people who pay their rent and their car payment and all of their bills and they've never done a studio scene and they don't have a day job. I mean, I know people who are like really successful porn performers and it's all from OnlyFans and just for fans. I was actually thinking of doing an OnlyFans where I don't take off my gloves and I just uh, I just talk about like ableism and I like show my dick occasionally to yeah. be like, let's talk about this shit for real. Cause... There's people who there's people who do that. Not everyone who does it just does sex. Some people make it something else but you know the expectation is that it's going to be sexy so showing your dick would be a good idea i mean i have a nice dick so i'm not that I've heard i just uh, did haven't i shown you pictures of that anyway yes you have okay, that's good. where i heard i was like who did you hear from um um and yes audience i asked jack if i could be flirty and weird with him before we hit record he said yes hence my demeanor i said a very enthusiastic yes Yes, you did. Speaking of, so this is the part of the interview where we're going to do all that. You and I have been hinting probably since we started chatting, which I want to say I've been stalking you on Twitter for a good while. And then I <laughs> I got the balls to be like, hello. Um, and I, we've been kind of flirting with the idea of doing a scene together. When I kind of played with that idea with you, what was your first thought? Uh, my first thought was, yeah. That would be fun, uh, very sexy. Um, and I, my second thought was like, that would take a lot of communication and listening and, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's totally something I'd be open to doing. Um, and it would be, you know, I don't want to say it would be an educational experience. Like it would be like a go on, say it. Check that off the mark, but it, I would learn a lot from the experience more than I would from filming a session with a lot of other people. So, and honestly, I th think in a way I've kind of learned something from every scene I've ever filmed for my own pages, my own fan pages, any thing I've uploaded or edited myself. Um, I've learned so much just from interacting with the other performer during our scene. So I'm always kind of going into it 
willing to learn. So um, I would not look at it as a purely educational experience for myself, but I would definitely be like, this is going to be a scene where I'm going to learn some things. Um, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, it would be fun and I'd be totally open to doing it. Gonna just make some notes. What, what kind of scene do you think that we would, that you'd want to do with me if you were like, you know a little bit about me from us chatting and like from me being like, here's my dick. But um, <laughs> what kind of scene do you think you'd want to do? Uh, we could wear leather. Uh, that works. I've, I've seen pictures of you that uh, lead me to believe that you have a bit of a leather, leather fetish. Um, you'd be curious. <laughs> I'm into it too. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I really hope this isn't problematic what I'm about to say, but I also feel like if you're doing a fetish video and you have somebody with a I kind of super hope has... it is. It is problematic, so I'm excited <laughs> to see what you're about to say. <laughs> um, my first thought was, you know, if the other person felt okay with it, obviously, because maybe somebody doesn't want to sexualize their wheelchair because it's how they get around in life. But if you're doing a fetish video, you also have something right there that you could include to make sexy. Like you could strap somebody to their wheelchair if they were okay with that, you know? Um, I mean, you could include the person's device as part of the scene in a fetish way. I would um, hope that we would. Like, I don't know if, if I've told you that my nickname is Bear in a Chair. So <laughs> I would hope that we, I would hope that that's part of it because the, the, the wheelchair is a sex toy and it is, like I've been blown in my wheelchair and I've blown guys in my wheelchair and I've it's it has to become a part of it without question. So yeah. I, I would hope that and I I don't personally see a problem with it. I think some people might be like, "Oh no, but for me the chair needs it needs to be a part of the scene cuz yeah. it's there. It's part of you." <clears throat> I mean, it really is. Um any other thoughts on the kind of scene you might want to do? Mm bareback <laughs> I'm alright with that the answer is uh, yes please <laughs> um, alright well I'm just going to sit there and think about that in my head for a minute and uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll have... we could get John Shields to come over again too I mean that could very that could totally be he's, he's, a he's good so dude. sexy did you have a good scene with him yeah did you have we, fun? he's actually one of my um, primary sex workers he was, on, he was on this show a few weeks ago too uh, nice. He's a, he's a good guy. We've been we've been working together now for three plus years. Nice. He seems really sweet. I've chatted with him a few times online. Yeah, I know. He's a he's a decent guy. Decent, decent, and a nice dick too. Yeah, he's hot as fuck. Like, wow. <laughs> um, hi John. I know you're not listening, but we talked. About hi John. Hey. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> he doesn't follow you on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. I'll get him. I too. haven't checked. Okay. He wasn't last time I looked at his profile, but it's been a while. <laughs> I'll get him too. Um, okay, so I don't know any other ways that I could flirt with you, but yes, bareback sex with you would be great. Let's talk about that later. Um, so before doing this interview with me today, talking about ableism and all these things, did you have any experience with people with disabilities other than your friend who goes to the rock show? Um, yes, I... Um... I had a friend when I was a kid whose mom was deaf and in a wheelchair. Um, <clears throat> and I was young enough that I, I was really surprised when 
she came up and wanted to talk to me because I just kind of assumed she's deaf. So there's a huge communication barrier, but that was my first lesson um, as a young person that deaf people can completely communicate a lot of times really well. And sometimes people weren't born deaf and they can still, you know, um, communicate. Yeah. And speak, um, you know, and I mean, all deaf people can speak, but um, people who are, go deaf later in life we're speaking you know with hearing previously so they will speak differently and have a you know easier way talking of talking to other people and um that was her case and she just came up to me and started talking to me and i was kind of like blown away and my friend said my mom can totally read lips just like look at her when you're speaking and you can have a normal conversation with her and i got to know his mom and she was really cool and she loved music and um, she loved the culture around music, even as a deaf person, which I thought was really interesting. Um, And uh, so I uh, knew her. I also have a cousin who has Potts disease and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, And they walk with a cane and move very slowly and don't have a lot of energy um, and don't, do as many things in life as they want to. They're also non-binary, um, transgender and, um, they, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, family events and dinners and things that they're not always able to make it to, uh, just from their body, not feeling good and, uh, not cooperating with them. Um, so I've, I've had some experience, but not a ton. Well, I, I, and I love the story of like your of your friend's mom, and I just love the story of like you learning about disability through her kind of initially, and then having it touch your your life more personally with the family member. I just think that, and it's just it's it's interesting to me how like even though you have those people to draw from, you're still like I'm not sure what I what I know and what I don't know. Like I think that discomfort <clears throat> is really valuable because it shows like even the people who are super open and super like you seem like somebody who's really willing to you don't give a fuck and I'll, you'll be your you'll be their friend because of whatever but like showing also that like you don't know stuff and that can be and that's okay yeah i love the quote if you're not uncomfortable you're not growing shit deep um <laughs> it's true it is it's cliche, true. but it's super true. It is <clears throat> totally true, totally. Um, so, has this interview with me today made you consider disability differently and ableism in our community differently than you did before? Yeah, it's made me think of things I never thought, you know, thought about before. Um, just in talking to somebody with a disability, you know, and saying things in conversation that just would be something I would blurt out without even thinking of with somebody else. And you were, you know, when we were talking about bottoming and cleaning out, you know, it's like, that's something that didn't even flash in my head that that might be a completely different experience for you than other people. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I did, I learned, I took away some things. Um, and you know, I'm always willing to look at my own privilege and acknowledge it and, um, see how it, sets me apart from people who don't have it and try to help those people and amplify those people and speak up for them when I can and try to be a good white boy. 
<laughs> Good awesome. says white boy. <laughs> I like how you, I like how you know you're a white boy. Like I like how you you're fully aware of that privilege and you don't pretend like it's not there. Like so many people in in your industry and in our gay community just seem to forget that they're yeah they're white. You're a white person, which comes with it's there's own. a lot of there's a lot of gay men, especially who just really focus on like, I'm a gay man, I'm oppressed. And it's like, yeah, but you're able-bodied, you're cisgender, you're white. Like you only have one mark on the oppression yeah, <laughs> tally, like, you know, it's like calm keep, down and, and you keep help other people. Like, you're, like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And yeah, maybe you've been through trauma, but like, so I, have, all queer people have, yeah, all queer people have, but like, so the rest of us, um, I wanted to, I didn't write this down and I meant to when I was doing my notes and I just realized it now. We were talking on Twitter about um, about how you had just finished the L word Generation Q and mm-hmm. you saw that character one of the character one of the sisters of the character has a disability. Yeah. yeah, Jillian Mercado is the actress's name and she is in a wheelchair, but they never really talk about her disability at all and um on one hand, I thought that it was really cool that they portrayed a woman with a disability just as another human being in the room, another person who's there. And they, they definitely show the bond between her and her sister. And um, she's included in the scenes in a way that never feels like tokenized, but they also never mention her disability. And I wanted to know how you felt about that. Do you feel like it's progressive to just show her included as another person where the disability is in the focus? Or do you think they should have used the chance to have a conversation about it? See, I personally think that whenever, right now in our media landscape, whenever somebody in a wheelchair is on screen, their disability needs to be explored. Not to exploit them, not to make it a part of the sad, like, oh my God, you're disabled, it's so hard for you. <laughs> like, I don't want to have that story. That story is boring and I've heard right. that before. But I think yeah. to say, hey, I'm a, I'm a cerebral palsy-having person on screen and here's how my disability affects me, like, that's powerful. And I think mm-hmm. right now, because we're still in the infancy stages of seeing disabled people properly represented on screen, I think... For her to say, yeah, I have this, and here's what it is, is for me would be important. For maybe some other viewers, not so much. But for me, yeah. as somebody who works in like disability media, and like especially sexuality media, to talk about disability would mean that this character would would make people less afraid of somebody with similar disabilities if they knew what it was. Yeah, I. Hopefully that's something that they're planning on exploring. Maybe they wanted to just show her as a regular person being included in this, you know, group of friends and family that she was loved and supported and then it wasn't an issue to them. And then maybe we'll get to find out more about her in season two because she's a great character. And if your listeners haven't watched the L word generation Q yet, they should. It's really it's good. A, you know, I watched, I haven't gotten to that episode yet. I've, I've, I'm, <clears> about, <throat> I'm about like six episodes behind right now, but because, but I, but the first two that I watched, I was like, oh, it's different. It's you know not not the same old L word, but I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, I like it. I mean, the first series was great and it was revolutionary at the time, but it did become problematic and it did go on for too many seasons and kind of spiral into stupidity and oblivion at the end. <laughs> but uh, I feel like they the comeback is incredible. I, they're just doing. I feel like they're kind of nailing it on all the points with inclusivity and making right with some of the things they did wrong in the past, particularly with transgender characters. Yeah. Oh, that storyline back in the day was like, what are you doing here? 
Yeah. They you don't have to have everything that could happen to a trans person happen to one character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe have more than one character. And they do now, so that's helpful. But um, yeah, the new series is great. I liked it. And I was really happy to see that they included a person with a disability. It yeah. really made me excited when you when you brought that up to me because I was like, wow, wow, like, okay. Because usually when I do interviews like this with people that may not have experience, I'm the one having to walk them through all these ideas. And with you, like, you, you brought that to me. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. Like, the, So I was really excited because I was like, this will be a really nuanced conversation because he kind of gets it or he's willing to try to get it. Um, <laughs> willing to try that's all you can do i mean that's the hardest thing you can do is, I, I, and i think if more gay men did that our conversations about disability in this in this space would change mm-hmm. i agree um do you have any sexy questions for me about disability and sex that you have had for a while that you want me to maybe answer for you or anything mm-hmm. that i haven't answered yet that we've talked about um, now I have to think of something good. Not really. <laughs> uh, what's the hottest sex you've ever had? The hottest sex I ever had. Well, you haven't come over yet, so I don't know. No, um, <laughs> I mean, really, the hottest sex I ever had was we didn't even have sex. We just laid there and talked, and then we jerked each other off, and that was like. Hot sex for me, you, it's so funny that you bring up communication a lot because for me, it's a staple in, like, I like texting people that I fuck around with. I like having that communication because mm-hmm. that's something that I can access without a lot of barriers. That's a privilege that I have. Like, I'm able to speak and I'm able to, I'm able to I don't have intellectual disabilities that impair my way of thinking. So I'm able to really be really flowery with my language and just being able to sit with somebody like naked in a room and have the possibility of sex on the table, but also just be with them, with mm-hmm. my ha- with my disabled body there, and know that I can like impress them with my language was really powerful for me. And then you know, having <clears> somebody <throat> sit on my face for an hour is also super fun, and I'm down for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think too that um, you know there is a niche out there for maybe not even a niche. I think maybe a big space for more sensual porn and more sensual type of stuff and i've i've actually even considered like making a side gig of just like some of the people um that i film with are great friends of mine who are lovers of mine who we have sex outside of shooting porn and the porn that we shoot we're putting on our faces and we're like oh yeah buddy but like sometimes you know, when I'm having sex with this person, they're like a brother to me and I love them. And, you know, I'll tell them I love them while we're fucking and it's really emotional. And sometimes you don't need to have sex. You just, like you said, lay around on a bed and cuddle and kiss and, you know, stroke each other's arms and chest. And I mean, I feel like people would like watching that too. It's I not mean, always about the dick in the ass. If you want some cuddle bro <clears throat> porn, let me know. Sign me up. Just tell me where we're filming and I'll figure out where to get there. <laughs> Well, and, you know, we should maximize our time together and shoot, you know, a threesome with John Shields, a one-on-one scene, and cuddle bro porn. I mean, <laughs> I mean, John Shields, he would be down for that. <laughs> I like how you brought him up three times now, and so I think I think maybe you have a little porn crush. I'll, uh, I can set that, I can set that shit up. <laughs> um, 
Well, I mean, those are all the questions that I really have for you that I wrote down. Um, is there anything you wanted, else you wanted to chat about, about sex and disability that you we haven't done yet? Mm. I love that you do this podcast. I think it's amazing. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that because it's... I do it from my bedroom, and like now it's been nominated in Hollywood with other fucking podcasts. So that's cool. That's amazing. Like I didn't Congratulations. win, but like that's cool. I was in the same room as Alaska Thunderfuck and like Willem. And yes. Like, shit. That's cool. And like, um, it's not always about winning, too. Oh Sometimes no, I just... won. I won in my heart because I was in fucking Hollywood for my little podcast that I make in my See? bedroom. So definitely, definitely won. Um, See. It's not always about winning the the prize, you know. If you feel like you won something personally from the experience, then it was worth it. And also, just even being acknowledged feels great, and it gets your even being acknowledged will grow your listeners and your fans, you know. And yeah, it's like sometimes on you know American Idol and RuPaul's Drag Race, the person who wins doesn't end up having as big of a career as the people who end up to the yeah, top like, five, you know. Yeah, like didn't win. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Well, what I well, I mean, what I enjoyed about this conversation, especially, was like I've watched your porn, and yeah, when you do porn, I will admit that you're very broy about it, and you like know you put on the face and you do your job, and that's fine. But like, I, also, I only put on the face because the first few videos I made, I was like, oh god, that's what I do when I'm getting fucked hard. I need to, <laughs> I need to like judge this up a little bit. You can just send those those <laughs> cuts into my Dropbox. Let me know. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It was a fa- it's a face that is really similar to one I used to make when I was a kid that was like totally goofy and stupid, and I think that's where part of it is like I'm like oh my god I need to not make that face anymore. Um, this was one of my favorite interviews of the year. Like, thank you so much for being so open and wanting to chat about this. I'm also kind of annoyed that your shirt was on the whole time, but that's okay. It's I'll okay. fix it. Even though your listeners can't see it, you can see it. So. I can see it. Well, thank you. I like, all the, I, like all the, I like all the tats. Thanks. Yeah, I'm very covered, and I'll get even more eventually. Amazing. Um, how do the people get a hold of you, and how can they follow you, and how can they support you, and how can they do all that? Thanks for asking. Um, I am on Twitter a lot, uh, at, at JackFaderXCX, like Charlie XCX. Um, and I'm also on Instagram. From? Yeah, well, um, originally I was Jack Fader XXX, and then my first uh, account on Twitter got hacked, and uh, Jack Fader XXX is still sitting there, owned by the hacker. He like unfollowed everybody, and like, um, I think what happens is they hack these accounts, and then they sell your subscribers to someone else, yeah. or they sell how many fans you have. So they basically were able to be like, "Hey, we got 13k fans for sale that I built up." And I wonder what they sold those to because all those people were following me for gay porn. But um, so I had to start over and Jack Fader XXX is still taken on Twitter. And so uh, I just decided to be fun and silly. And I was listening to the new Charlie XCX album a lot. So now I'm Jack Fader XCX. Unless I ever get that Twitter back, then I'll change it back. But I'm also on um, Instagram under the same handle. And uh my only fans and just for fans both are also Jack Fader XCX. I will make sure that that is well documented in the in the show notes because because <laughs> making porn ain't ain't cheap or free. Also support that no. show. Um, but I want to talk to you off the air, so I'm gonna finish our interview because we're done. We did it. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today, and you're really sweet and kind to do this. I appreciate it, and I will talk to you. You're in, welcome. 
I'll talk to you in five seconds when I hit off. But thanks, Jack. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, Disability After Dark listeners, this was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you can book me to shine a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between for you and come to your next event by going to andrewgerza.com slash presskit and you can hire me there to come and do cool things for you. You can also see some of my writing and, and places where I've spoken to. All that stuff's on, available on my website. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can go to DisAftDarkPod. And I do a lot of polls there and I ask you things about sex and disability there and all that stuff. You can follow me, Andrew Gerza, personally on all social medias at Mr. Andrew Gerza on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Mr. Andrew Gerza is where I am most reachable. I love being on Twitter and talking to you about this stuff. If you want to be in touch with the show about being a guest, whether you have a, a guest suggestion or you want to be a guest or you want to have a show idea or things like that, you can go to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and pop us an email. Let us know what you think. If you also want to leave a five-star review, wherever you get get your podcast for this show, it will help this show gain prominence. It's, it's a really important show because it's one of the few talking about disability each and every week. So I'd love for you to leave us a five-star review. That'd be great. Um, thank you all so much for listening. And um, we'll be back next week to get comfy, cozy, and crippled together. All right. Thanks, friends. Bye. If you want to support Disability After Dark, you can head on over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can support the show by pledging $1 a month or $5 a month to get the show one day early and with a weird, sexy shout-out from Andrew Gerza. Your support means shows like this and shows specifically about disability can keep going on the air, and I really, really appreciate it. So if you want to shine some light on the show, pledge if you can. Thanks for listening. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020